You're listening to episode 52. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that It doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Thank you for joining me here at another super episode of the Business Generals podcast. I am super excited to be here with you and I want to introduce um, an amazing guest, Kirik Ashley. Um, Kirk, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? I am, Davis, and thanks for having me. It's a real honor to be with you tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I know you're, you're a man who's absolutely busy. Just before we went on air, Kirk was just telling me how um, he just came back from a couple of trips in the U.S. He's got more international trips coming up. Now, I first heard Kirk live here in Melbourne at, a, at an international event with a couple of thousand people there. And uh, he was the keynote speaker. And it was just totally uh, an amazing experience. And uh, I've always wanted to interview Kirk. And uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge. But finally, you know, last week I reached out to him and he says, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, I can come on the show. So I'm super excited to dig into your story, my man. Just the first 30 seconds, just tell us who is Kirk? What's your personal background? Well, obviously, Davis, as you can hear from my accent, I'm a, a Queenslander with a very bad accent. I'm originally from Chicago and uh, spent um, 18 years of my life in L.A. because I used to be an actor in Hollywood and did 38 movies, worked with Chuck Norris and Sylvester Stallone and uh, Russell Crowe and John Travolta and, well, this keeps going on and on, but... Um, you know, I'm a success coach. I'm a number one best-selling author. I work in 17 countries. I've got private clients around the world and love my life. That's amazing. And I, I remember some of your stories were very vivid around, you know, your career in, in, um, in the movie industry. What made you make the shift, if we can just start there? Well, Davis, that's kind of a funny question, is that I was always, uh, I was always kind of coaching ever since high school, and I was always talking about people to fulfill their dreams and goals and everything you know it was personal development was always really my passion and uh, I started acting when I was 12 years old and then when I was 18 moved to LA and was uh, taken uh, under the wing of a, a movie director who his best friend is Sylvester Stallone they were roommates in college so through and the man's name is John Hersfeld you know but he forced me to read Think and Grow Rich and Norman Vincent Peale and all these books, you know, he really got me educated. And then, you know, years later, obviously, you know, uh, you know, here I am acting and doing movies and I'm also working behind the camera. But funny part of the story is that I get an audition on a Saturday, which is very rare for a major studio to audition on a Saturday. It never happens. And it's for the Mighty Ducks Part 5, I think which I've never seen. I don't even know if it ever came out. But it was for the lead bad guy in the movie. It was an emergency casting. They said, look, we're going to tell you by Tuesday if you have it. We got to shoot on Thursday or whatever. So I'm like, great. Anyways, Tuesday comes and goes. Never hear anything. 
Thursday, I leave for Georgia to go do a speaking engagement, literally for a, a, an entire little community's um, entire youth population. You know, and we're doing a board-breaking seminar and working with these kids and turning their lives around. And uh, I don't check my, my answering machine in those days until Sunday. But anyways, as I do, it says, you know, the first message is, hey, it's, you know, the studios. Congratulations, you have the part. And you start shooting tomorrow, which is Friday. But you remember, it's already Sunday. And so, yeah, not only missed the part, but like the 40th phone call was people yelling at me how I ruined the movie and how I'm never going to work again and my agent screaming at me and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, you know, here I was first stressed out for a moment. But then I asked myself, I said, look, man, if you had a choice between, you know, the Mighty Ducks part, whatever it was, and this, which would you have rather done? And I said, honestly, it would be this, you know, changing people's lives. And uh, it's really what I'm built for. And then I said, well, to myself, I'm asking these questions. I said, why'd you ever become an actor? Like, you know, since this is always what you wanted to do. And the answer came to me that I thought if I got famous, people would want to hear me speak. You know, I could tell my story then. But the unique part of that is that I used to play bad guys in the movies and nobody really wants to hear your story. So that's when I said, hey, man, instead of doing this roundabout way to get there, why don't you just go do what you want to go do? And with that, I started doing much more speaking engagements, finally let go of the movie industry so I didn't have any distractions. And when I did, my career went through the roof because, again, I wasn't trying to go off in two separate directions. I got very focused. And how far back are we talking, Kirk? Oh, well, uh, that would be probably about um, 23 years ago. Wow, that's amazing. So so would you say you went full-time speaking at that point? Well, uh, you know, I, I started doing more. I, I, I videotaped one of the very first like kind of corporate jobs I did. I watched it. I was so bad that I actually cried. The people who were going to give me a testimonial letter refused. They said, you were so bad, we'd never give you a letter. But I watched that video over and over and over for the next couple of weeks. And I kept asking myself, what's great about it? Now, it was pretty rough considering that it really was way worse than I thought it was until I, you know, like once I saw it, it was way worse than I could have ever imagined. But there was little tiny bits in it, you know, by asking that question, what's great about this? and not criticizing myself, just looking for the parts that I did like. And there was little 10-second pieces and 15-second pieces, and I thought, wow, what was different about that than the rest of it? And those pieces, well, I was off the, I was off the script. I was just doing what I was passionate about. I wasn't trying to be somebody else or whatever. You know, I was just being myself. Usually it was me asking, uh, answering questions. And so I just learned how to expand on that. And so what I did... Davis, because it's so me, is that after that one speaking engagement, I booked myself into 13 other speaking engagements that month and then did that like month after month because I figured, man, if you want to get good at this, you got to keep getting back on the the horse. But if you stall, you know, if you let this get to you pretty soon, you'll do anything not to go back to it. You know, you find excuses. So it's better to keep yourself in motion, you know. And then, like I said, though, is, you know, you always want to test and measure and by asking what's great about this, and then the next question is how can I make it better? Um, that first question makes you feel good, but also is what you did great. You certainly want to repeat it. So by asking a question, at least you bring it to the forefront of your mind, what it is you want to repeat. And I also write these things down in a journal. And then the next thing is how can I make it better, which is a strategy question, 
well, if you're going to do what you did great last time and you're going to add in, how can I make it better? You have to be better. And you keep doing that. And pretty soon it's just I found my groove. Now I, you know, I speak in 17 countries and I've been all over the world and shared the stage. I was just on stage with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, a couple months ago in Sydney. And, uh, you know, I'm not intimidated, uh, you know, by the caliber of other speakers because pound for pound, I can hold my own now, you know. Totally. And people are giving you testimonials now, Kirk? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's funny, though, because I, you know, I, well, I guess the, the moral of the story that I'd like to share with everybody, Davis, is that, you know, some of this stuff I'm not a natural talent at, you know, and people see me on stage and they see how relaxed I am and, you know, the acclaim I get for being a speaker or an author these days. But that wasn't a natural talent of mine. But anything you want to be great at in life, it really comes down to first, you have to change your mindset, you know, because wherever your head goes, your body follows. And when I was at Stallone's house for Christmas and parties and stuff, when I was homeless, living in my car in Los Angeles, people used to say to Stallone, you know, why do you got Keurig everywhere? The guy's a loser, you know? And I said, dude, I'm standing right here. I can hear you. Like, he goes, I don't care, you know? And Sly says, but you know what? You got no idea who Keurig is. He's... In his head, he's already successful. And it's just a matter of time that his results will catch up with his mindset. So really, you got to, you know, that's what we got to work on is our mindset. And then the next thing is skill sets. And I didn't say skill set. I said skill sets. So if you want to be an entrepreneur, you know, um, like like uh, I'm an author, a best-selling author. And not only did I have to learn how to write, because that wasn't a natural talent of mine either, but I had to learn how to do publicity and I had to learn how to do marketing and I had to learn how to do publishing and all those different things because if you want your book to sell, that's more than just learning how to write it. You know, like most artists who die star you know, they starve to death and die poor. It's the ones who learned how to market themselves and sell those things that became successful. So and how do we do that? Mindset and skill sets. Well, that's pretty easy. Education, application and follow through. That's right. I love that. And you've, you've touched on a whole, a whole bunch of stuff that I want to go back to your, you went ahead, crazily booked another 13 speaking engagements when somebody just, you know, turned, turned around in your face and says, Kirk, you are terrible. I can't even give you a testimony. I don't want to go on record to give you a testimony. How did you even get those 13? And did they pay you or you were doing it for free just to get better? Well, in those days I was doing for anybody who'd have me, you know, so I was doing a lot of free ones, but I also booked some paid ones. The thing that was like anything else, you have to get out there and you got to market yourself. You got to believe in yourself and you got to market yourself. And, you know, just because you did bad at one, you know, company that I was speaking at, first, there was no internet in those days, you know, so they're not really broadcasting. But even if they did, um, like even if somebody gets on Facebook and badmouths you, well, it's still only to a very limited audience, Right. And Stallone, you know, they told Sly that, you know, he'd never make it. And, and well, that, that didn't really go very far. They told Arnold Schwarzenegger that, um, first, who would want to see the, the long name of yours on the title of a movie? You know, Schwarzenschnitzel. And they told him that his voice makes him sound like he's a Nazi and um, he's too big and he scares children and, and all that stuff. But, you know, that's all history. You know, they told Elvis that, you know, you got no talent. You should go buy, back and drive a truck. So, you know, even if these things are public or whatever, it's it's the people who push through that. But see, that's that's the stuff we all have to do. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be successful in this life, you have to push out the naysayers. Because first, they'll talk garbage about you even when you're not doing anything. But if you're going to go for something, you better expect that people are going to talk garbage about you. 
It's just, you know, it's just their nature. In Australia here, they call it the tall poppy syndrome, you know, but that's not exclusive to Australia. That's anywhere in the world. When you're breaking out of the hole to go do something great with your life, the people in the hole want to try to drag you back. Misery loves company. Now, Kirik, how did things evolve for you from, you know, that first batch of, you know, that first year of going from one engagement to another speak engagement, doing it for free and for free and for free. When did you sort of start to get the calls coming inwards or was that, did that take a long time? Well, I mean, I don't know what you call a long time, you know, that's kind of relative term, but for me, it, what it came down to is, you know, you have to make that decision then you have to go, okay, wait a minute, no more free ones. You know, by the way, I still do free speaking engagements, but it's usually for a charity function or a cause that they can't afford me. But that's my choice now. But you have to literally draw a line in the sand and go, that's it. No more free ones. Here's my rate. And then promote yourself at that level. And one of the things, Davis, that I'd like to share with everybody is that cheaper is not easier, right? You know, people think, well, if I if I do a low price, you know, then people that, you know what, people who pay for value, you know, they're going to go, well, what are you going to get for that low price? This guy doesn't even believe in himself. You know, and if you're thinking, because I'm going to make it less expensive, more people are going to take me up on it. Well, the truth is, people who don't invest in themselves don't invest in themselves. They want to go to the library for a free book, let, you know, and they've got any internet or YouTube instead of, you know, looking up something that can change their life or a course they can study for free. They'd rather go on YouTube and watch each other kick each other in the personals, you know, because that's funny. So, you know, cheaper is not easier. So you got to put a price on yourself. And, you know, I've always said that if a person makes a low amount of money in life, that's all they're worth. Not to me. I'm not judging them. I'm saying to themselves. Because when you really think that you're worth more, you'll demand more of yourself. You know, you're not going to, you know, you might have to do it in a short term, take the lower paying job, but you're always working towards that higher paying that you think you deserve because it's really about self-love. You know, if you really love yourself, you won't allow yourself to stay poor and you won't allow yourself to work for chump change. And so, you know, I had to step up and then, you know, it's, yeah, I will say it's scary because you're like, well, you know, I'm doing the free ones and I'm at least I'm speaking and I'm getting testimonial letters now and blah, blah, blah. And people love me, but you know, that love doesn't pay your rent. And so, you know, you got to put the, put your thing down and say, Hey, you know what? Boom. Decision. Funny thing is you start doing that and you start making money. And uh, you know, I've made millions of dollars now doing it. You know, I've had coaching clients nonstop roster for the last 18 years and done over $5 million in coaching revenue. And I'm not trying to brag about that. I'm, you know, that's from a guy who couldn't even get a free testimonial letter to what I've created. But it's, you know, if you ever study successful people, though, my story is no different than anybody else's. You know, there's a formula to it. And it really is going to start with that you have to work on yourself. You know, in order for things to change, I must change first. Absolutely. And I'm loving this. I want to ask you, Kirk, um, you talked about being homeless. And then you've, you've talked about, you know, somebody who's on a, on a low income and that's kind of equivalent to wh- where they kind of value themselves and maybe they're working towards a higher value. So talk to me about what, how that homelessness came about and how you got out of it. I know it's a, it's a long story, I'm sure, but just in a brief sort of moment. Sure. Well, Davis, um, the funny part of your question is, is I wasn't homeless once. I've been homeless numerous times. I was even homeless here in Australia, where now I was homeless in two countries at the same time because I couldn't even fly home to be homeless. The company that brought me here left me stranded. 
you know, in Griffith, in a little country town in New South Wales, um, where they, I went through all my savings trying to stay afloat. They never paid me and left me stranded. And I really was homeless in two countries. You know, it sounds funny, but it was quite depressing at the time, especially since I was like 37 years old. And, you know, you're looking at your life saying, man, I used to be in the movies and what did I do and what a mistake. And man, I got to start all over again. But, you know, Davis, I said, hey, you know what? You might want to do what you teach. And that means dig in and drive forward, man, because it can go worse than this. Don't think it can't. When people go, oh, I hit rock bottom, it can get worse. Don't take it there. Drive forward, you know. And, and the thing is that I would look at anybody's story, though, who's been down and out. They've been like that. You know, Stallone's been homeless. And, uh, you know, Arnold came to, us, to America with no money in his pocket and the rest of those things. It, so you don't have to start there. I'm not saying in order to succeed, you got to start there. But it just took me, you know, driving and the time in Australia, I had a guy who talked to me eight months earlier, saw me speak somewhere, said, man, I'd love to produce one of your seminars, but I never called the guy. By the way, nothing happens if you don't follow through. So I'm going through all my belongings to lighten my load, you know, because I'm homeless. And I see the guy's card and I go, you know what, maybe I should call the guy. And then your brain starts saying, well, you know, he's not going to remember you and you should have called him a long time ago. I go, dude, just call. What's the worst that can happen? Just call. And sure enough, um, they produced my first seminar here in Australia. And that's when I broke the uh, longest fire walk in history record is I did uh, 81 meters of 600 degree coals in my bare feet. Um, I met Natalie Cook, women's beach volleyball team, bronze medalist, and worked with the girls for two and a half years and took them to win gold medals at the Sydney Olympics. Uh, worked with the Brisbane Broncos that year, and they won their premiership, and the rest is kind of history. But my point is, everybody gets a shot in life. It all comes down to what do you do with that shot. But here's the magic uh, button of it all, is that your shot rarely looks like what you think it's supposed to look like. And that's why you should treat everything as if it is your shot. You know, put that kind of, you know, value on it and, and that kind of enthusiasm and passion. And people notice that and doors start opening. That's amazing. I was just listening to one of your videos um, as I was just getting ready to, to interview you and, and you just touched on it. And I, I've spoken about it before about, you know, here in Melbourne, um, we call the, the, there's a race that stops the nation, the Melbourne Cup, which is a massive horse race. And, um, and you talk about the difference in, in your speech between um, an Olympic gold medalist and the fourth position place. Could you talk about that? Sure. Well, it's, you know, it's one one hundredth of a second difference in time or in some sports it's one point between you get everything or you get nothing like fourth gets nothing they don't get a free t-shirt and now here's the thing though you're still fourth best in the world you know it's just still an amazing feat but that's the hey that's the way the olympics goes and you know we faced the brazilians 17 times this is the beach volleyball girls by the way we faced the brazilians 17 times leading up to the olympics had only beaten them once we got brutalized 16 out of 17 times and the one time we won we barely won it was a nail biter so my point being is it'd be easy to think oh we can't do it here either you know to buy into that but i trained natalie and carrie to be gold medalists in advance you know, to be gold medalists right now, because all great achievers are visionaries. They don't look at what they have now or what they don't have now. They focus on who they're going to be in the future, what they're going to have in the future, and they lock on that vision. And so, you know, we worked on that. We worked on that. And so here it is. We're five points behind. We're at match point, which means we're one 
point away from losing again, you know? And the girls said, hey, here comes that decision again. You know, they said, we're not going out like this again. And they started waving their arms, and they got the stadium on their feet, and they're cheering, oi, 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 and the place is berserk. And right then you could see the looks on their Brazilians' faces saying, why does it feel like we're not winning just yet? And point by point, we took it away from them two matches in a row and walked home with the gold medals. And the thing, you know, Davis, is that as soon as we got back to the hotel, and by the way, the Brazilians were staying at the same hotel, they were the first people I went up to and, and thanked and congratulated because first it was by far the biggest most amazing thing of the 2000 olympics was the women's beach volleyball finals and it was literally down to the last point you know that last thing i mean it could have gone either way and the fans got the you know the spectacle of all spectacles to see this game and but you know what it was those great warriors those great champions that made my girls even better because you know when you're up against the challenges of your life, you know, the challenges are what give our life value and make us better as long as you face that challenge. But if you back away, the challenge gains energy, you lose energy, it wins, you lose. So it's called perturbation. It's about going through our challenges to grow, to be bigger on the other side, to be more powerful on the other side of those challenges. You're making me want to go and watch that. I've never actually watched it. I'm going to try and find it on YouTube and, and have a look because this is the second time I've heard you tell that story. <laughs> I cry every time. I, you know, uh, the girls actually were also on stage at the Arnold Schwarzenegger event in Sydney, and uh, it was just amazing. And they showed footage of it, and sure enough, I get choked up again as that last point goes out because still to this day, 20 years later, you know, I think about well, almost 20 years later, um, that seems so impossible when they first asked me to work with them, and I was homeless in those times. I didn't lie to them. I said, you know, look, I'm, I'm sleeping on somebody's floor right now. And, you know, I don't know where I'm next week. And when we won, I asked the girls, I said, why would you choose a success coach who was homeless? You know, and they said, Kirk, you had so much certainty. We believed you and we wanted to be on the ride with you because we knew you were going somewhere. And you believed in us so strong that we knew we'd win if we had you. And sure enough, we bought into it with each other and walked home with gold medals. You know, you just said something about they were at match point, five points down, losing. So the circumstances were telling them you're, you've really lost this game and you didn't have the, the accolades to support you to be that success coach. So that must be tough. But I want to ask you, what parallels do you draw from the, you know, the sacrifice that Olympians make, you know, from being a child up until they actually get a, a gold to what you know, entrepreneurs who are successful like yourself have had to make in life to be successful. I'm, I'm just going to work with you a little bit for a second is that I don't use the word sacrifice because sacrifice means to kill. And words, you know, you got to remember is what words you put into your brain that have an intense meaning to them hit your system intensely. And so I don't, you don't have to kill anything. Like I don't sacrifice time with my kids or sacrifice my relationship with my wife to be successful so that one day I can spend time with them because that means you're killing the relationship with your kids and once it's dead, it ain't coming back. So the thing is, I'm, I have an abundant mind. My mind says I want this and that, not this or that. And that's really what I taught the girls as well is that, you know, this is a game. And somebody, you know, made us have this agreement that it's the game, but it's really just a game. 
And that's what they do. They're volleyball players. You know, that's what, they love their sport. And they're, they're honored to be in that position. But also, there's kids in wheelchairs who would love to go out and, and just stand in the sand, let alone hit a ball, be in the Olympics, even, you know, do something and hit the ball out of the stadium. You know, they don't care. They just, they just want to be uh, participating in life. So I said, it's not a war, man. Nobody's trying to kill you out there. You know, it's a game. You know, so what I taught the girls, and by the way, every athlete now that I've worked with, every sports team I've worked with, every one of them has won. I have a solid gold record. And one of my clients is Tomati Ellison, who went from playing at the Wellington Hurricanes all the way up into the All Blacks, and now he's in Japan playing. And I taught him the same thing. It's called play excellence. And just like in, in entrepreneurs, you know, make this thing you're doing, whatever it is, if you're carrying the ball this one time, make it excellent. Don't worry about play that you dropped before. Don't think about what you're doing next. Don't think about five meters down the thing. Make it, whatever you're doing right at this moment, excellent. If you drop the ball, reset, make this one excellent. Make this one. Well, you start taping those excellent moments together, you have an excellent game. And then pretty soon you have an excellent career because that's what it's all about. And you do that with being an entrepreneur. Well, excellence is the commitment to completion. And so you want to enjoy the journey because, you know, I'm a businessman. And um, look, if I, if I had oodles and oodles of, you know, like countless money coming out of my ears, I might do something else. But, you know, what are you going to do? Play shuffleboard the rest of your life? You got to do something with your time. And I like business. I love doing business. I'll never retire. I might do it a different way, but I'm still always going to be doing something to keep myself productive. So you might as well enjoy it. And you might as well, you know, whatever you're doing, find a way to enjoy it. My good friend, John Fitzgerald, who wrote Seven Steps to Wealth, John says, you got to learn to like your dislikes. You know, find a way to enjoy it because this is your life. It's ticking away. Davis, and you know, man, I, I got to tell you, is, uh, and I've done 56 rotations around the sun already. And I don't really celebrate my birthday, but I'm trying to speak in mortal terms so people understand I'm talking about time, is that I remember my dad in his 30s. But my dad's been dead for over 12 years now, you know, and he died at 78. It goes by fast. So while you're here, enjoy it. But, you know, if you're going to be in business, succeed at it. But you got to educate yourself. You got to keep your face in a book and study and courses because business is ever changing and, you know, marketing and the marketplace and the customer. So, you know, every week, lift your head up and get together with your team and do a strategic meeting about what have we done what are we doing? What are we accountable for? How can we make it better? And then boom, then go back into it. But that's what real successful business people do. But also have a good time because if your brain links up pleasure to you doing it, it's going to automatically help you succeed more because it's going, I like this and it's going to move towards wanting to do it. Absolutely. Talking about business, and I love where we're going with this, I want to dig a little bit more into your business model, Kirk. So talk to us about what your core revenue streams are today and how you're, how you're growing that. Oh, well, I, you know, I have kind of a diverse career, I guess, and a diverse business is that obviously I'm a speaker, uh, so I travel around over doing that. I have a best-selling book, and that's still it's been out for like eight years. It's called How Would Love Respond? Still a number one bestseller. Still sells in droves. We actually bought the rights back from the publishers a couple of years ago and uh, bought, created our own publishing company and re-released it. And it's you know going gangbusters. Um, I have coaching clients. 
I also have a thing called the Entrepreneur's Inner Circle, which is a coaching group. We only allow 20 people into it, but they have to be entrepreneurs. And uh, there's a, a kind of a qualification to get into it because we don't want you know people coming in just whinging about their lives. We want people who really want to be successful. And they, they stay with me for a year. So literally, I coach that group for a solid year. I'm writing a couple more books. You know, I work with sports teams. Doing online, we have online courses. We have a program with the Life Success Club, which has been around since 2003. It's online now, and that is a, a personal development club that people are with me, and it's like it's me coaching them via um, content and live events and webinars and things like that. So it's um, a lot of different. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle, but you know what? I started with one. Jack of all trades is the master of nothing. Figure out one thing first. Figure out how to get paid for it. Figure out the systems. Then add something to it. Not, don't try it all at once. And that's a good point. And I want to get onto that. When did you switch into becoming a writer? And what has that done for your career? Davis, that's a great question. I think for everybody on the call, I mean, tonight's to listen to podcasts, you know, you hit the nail on the head is what a book does is a book gets you looked upon in the public eye as being an expert, an authority. And it's, you know, it kind of turns you into a superstar. Now, being a number one bestseller amplifies that stardom because it really does give you credibility. Robert uh, Kiyosaki said to me once, he said, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a brochure that he wrote to promote himself that people pay twenty nine ninety five for. You know, so in its own way, it does that. For me, it also helps me help more people in a leveraged fashion. You know, so the, not only do people buy it, but they, they love it and they buy 20 other copies and they give them out to people. That's a very common experience with how would love respond. Also is that I give copies away, you know, because one of my little things that I, I just started when I first got the book published was whenever I travel, I always carry a few books with me and make sure that they're gone before I come home. You know, and you'll find the right people to give them to. I just don't randomly force them on people. You know, you find the right people. That has done amazing things for me. It's gotten me corporate work. It's gotten people to buy 20, 30 copies. It's, you know, open doors. It's gotten me interviews in the media, all kinds of crazy stuff. But also as I've gotten cards and letters and phone calls literally from around the globe. Um, I sold 150 books in Kuwait, if you can believe that. <laughs> Now, Kirk, was that your first book? Well, it was my first book that got finished. Uh, I actually wrote a book back in the early 90s. It was more of a booklet, but it was a, still a book called Nutritional Support, which again, I self-published. Sold about 3,000 copies of it. Um, it was just about a simple way to how to look for food and how to nutritionalize yourself, um, things like that. But I wrote two other books before How Would Love Respond. They never went anywhere because they didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't a natural talent of mine, and I quit. But then I said, you know what, Kirk? I don't want to die with my music still in me, so get educated. And I, and I literally hired a wordsmith to teach me how to structure. And like I said, I started educating on publicity, and I even got an agent when I even have a chapter written yet. I got a big New York agent um, to represent me and a publisher when I didn't even have a chapter written. But again, that was me going in there and selling myself. And it, but it held me to a higher standard. Plus, they put deadlines on you. You know, they want it done. And all that, that positive pressure behind me, I got the right team around me. And I, I think I had eight editors. Uh, a couple had to get fired because they didn't really know what I was trying to do with the book. But that's 
all part of it. You got to, you know, you got to, Bruce Lee said, be the water. You got to take the shape of what you get poured into. You know, you got to be flexible. That's amazing. So you, you recognize that you've been speaking, but now you wanted to do a book. And so you went and invested in that. Like you were saying before, you got to get the skills, the skill sets and get the education and, and the follow through. So, so I'm loving this. Now, I want to ask you this question. How are you growing your, your business today? Are you doing anything specific to grow, you know, social media or Google AdWords or is there any specifics? Davis, I'm getting interviewed by you. Yep. So the fact though is that, you you know, you've created your own audience. Yeah. Right. Many have never heard of me before. I mean, my ego would like to tell you everybody knows who I am, but they don't. <laughs> so the thing is that, you know, when people ask me to do speaking engagements, I still speak at networking breakfast and people go, man, how do you get a guy like you here, a big international speaker? And I said, they asked me. It wasn't that hard, you know. <laughs> the thing is that, you know, so I do a lot of interviews. I do a lot of media. I'm regularly on social media, you know, because you got to, well, look, I saw Vin Diesel basically ruined his career after doing The Pacifier because it was like now he's doing Disney films all of a sudden. But get on social media on Facebook, started off like close to, you know, built it to like a million people and I'm watching him. Now he has a hundred million likes, a hundred million fans on Facebook. He talks to him every day, but now his movies do $1 billion in 15 days of being released. You know, the movies aren't literally, they're not that high quality of film. I mean, look for his niche, they are. But my point being is that, you know, by touching those people's, you know, it's really about uh, building relationships and nurturing relationships with your, your fan base, your client base. And that's what social media is great for. Um, I do blog posts. We do webinars. We do, uh, you know, um, anybody who asks me to do an interview, as long as I'm available, I pretty much say yes. Um, all those things. Media is a great one. I, I do a lot of media. And people in the media, what people don't understand is that, you know, they're always looking for segments. So I pitch segments to uh, media outlets that I want to be on. You know, I, I watch the show. I study how what kind of format they have. And then I, I look at a, a, a subject that would be valuable for that type of show. And I'll contact them and say, hey, you know, I got an idea. And like, for instance, I was in New Zealand and met an, an athlete who happens to be the host of, I think it's a breakfast show. And he's a pro basketball player. And I said to him, hey, you know, um, uh, I should have you walking on broken glass on your TV show. And he's like, yeah, really great. And I took him across broken glass. And then I said, on the air, he, after the glass walk, I said, man, if you like the glass, we should fire walk in a couple of weeks. I'm coming back. And he's like, yeah, great. And so they had me on for like 18 minutes. Man, how do you pay for that kind of advertisement space of being on TV for that long? Um, and there, it's editorial where people trust you more than an advertisement. But it really builds your profile. So it's a kind of a multifaceted thing. That's what you got to do. And so not only do I sell my business, I sell myself, not my soul. And not, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about is um, I'm a product that I also sell because nobody wants to be coached by somebody who's on the same level that they are. Right. So it's the profile that gets people to believe and go, like, wow, man, you know, I, uh, I want to be coached by him. Then I have to deliver the goods, obviously. But, you know, that first initial contact has to be, you know, somebody that is not just average. That's awesome. I love the fact it sounds like you've got many, many rods in the fire. And, you know, whatever comes, like you were saying before, you don't know which shot is going to be the shot that propels you to the next level. Um, on that note, would you say there was, you know... Well, can, can I... One second. If you look at Richard Branson, Davis, 
you look at him. He's not just selling the airline or the records. You know about Richard Branson. Sure. You know what I mean? He's out there promoting. So it's the same thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just showing you in my industry, there's Richard Branson's another perfect example of what I just said is, you know, but because you kind of feel like you know Richard Branson, you trust Richard Branson. And guess what? When uh, Virgin came into Australia, they got 30% of the market share within their first year of being here. Huge. Yeah. That's huge. No, no, that's good. It's, it's always, always love examples so people can actually grasp onto that and it stays on their minds because, you know, he is a personality and yet he's a billionaire and he's got so many other businesses that we don't even know of. But, you know, in other countries, he's got Virgin Finance and people trust that as a brand because of him. So you're totally right. What about breakthrough moments? Do you say in your career there was one significant breakthrough moment or it's been a cascading um, compounding effect of breakthroughs? Well, I guess the way I would describe it, Davis, is that, you know, I, I, um, whenever I see a door or a window or a pathway open to me, I not only do I go through it, but I capitalize on it. So as an example, like, you know, with this interview, I'll ask you for the linkage to it. Not only will you send it to your people, but if you're, it's okay with you, I'll send it to everybody in my uh, database and on my Facebook. See, so I do media. I promote to everybody that I'm going to be on the media. Then I get a copy of the media and I send it out again. So I'm, you know, I do as much as I can to, to keep expanding everything. I don't just let, you know, everybody else doing it. When I had agents in Hollywood, um, like I found out about a movie once where they were, they were looking for actors who skydive. Now, at that point, I was a advanced jumper, skydiver. I have done night jumps out of John Travolta's plane, you know, over the Mojave Desert. I've done all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, so I'm thinking, what's smaller population actors who skydive, you know? And so I asked my agent and my manager to submit me. But I also personally wrote a letter to the casting agent with my picture and my resume. I got an audition. I went in there. Now, by the way, it was on the like 14th floor of an office building. I had my skydiving rig with me. And I said, ma'am, if you don't believe I'm a skydiver. And I started walking for the window. And she panicked. What she didn't even think about is office windows don't open up at 14 floors, right? But anyways, I got the job. And then I asked her, I said, ma'am, can I ask you, you know, which one of my, the submissions did you get? My agent or my manager? She said, you have an agent and a manager? Yeah. And she goes, I just got a letter from you. That's why you're in here. That movie was called Terminal Velocity with Charlie Sheen. And then I got another movie out of that from the same casting director because she remembered me from that movie. And that was called Trial and Error with Michael Richards, who played Kramer and uh, Charlize Theron and stuff. See, because you got to be out there and you got to, you got to capitalize on everything that happens for you. You can't just expect, well, this is going to be my big break and I'm just going to let it ride. You got to keep the energy moving forward. Do you always tell great stories in, in your speaking? Is that one of the things that you, you've been, you found works really well? Because you're good at it. Thank you, David. Well, you know, people want to be entertained more than educated. <laughs> so I call it edutainment. Yeah. Um, but also is stories are the fastest way to induce trance which means to get into people's subconscious minds because they listen to your stories and the teachings are embedded in the story. You know, cause, and not, not only that is they can kind of see what you're talking about in the working form. You know, like, oh, now I get it. Now I know what he's talking about. Instead of, and it, you know, you can read books that are loaded with strategies, but they can be so boring that you don't really retain any of it. But the, you know, like how would love respond? 
is a bunch of stories about my life and you know different things but it's made so much massive transformation in people's lives because they do they get caught up in the story and they really tell me the book's a page turner man you start on page one it's only, it's so hard to put the thing down that pretty soon you're finishing the book and you can't believe that you didn't sleep it all night you know <laughs> but what they've gotten out of it and really the life-changing stuff that they've taken away from the book it's one of those profound things that davis that i i'm honored people keep it next to their bedside and they open it up when they're having it one of those days and they always seem to turn to the right page or they've read it numerous times and it's but it's stories instead of just digital, you know, strategy kind of stuff. And it's interesting because you talked about, you know, Robert Kiyosaki and the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I, and I look back and I think I read it many, many years ago. And that's what kind of made me start to think about entrepreneurship. And I think it's the fact that it's so well storied and that's why it's made it so, so, so popular. And I think, you know, that's probably sounding like what you what you've experienced with your materials and your, your speaking. Yes. And, you know, there was no Rich Dad Poor Dad. Those were characters. Has he actually admitted that in public? I don't know. I think he's still left it in limbo. He has. No, no, he has. But it's, it's, see, like anybody who gets hooked, you know, oh, God, you know what? There's no real people. You made me, you know. Wait a minute. Now you missed the whole point. That's not what the book's about. The book's about getting you to, you know, check out how, you know, how you're handling your wealth and how to make wealth. And if you're missing that point, man, you'd miss the whole point of the book anyways. It's a great book. And um, and I like it because it shows, you know, he doesn't pay out on either one of the two characters. Um, what he's doing is showing their both strengths. But what he learned from the wealthy dad, you know, is what really changed his life. And um, if you read The Richest Man in Babylon, it's like the same strategies. But again, it's in a story that teaches you those uh, strategies. One of my favorite books. Yeah, I loved it. I loved. I actually listened to the audio version of it about four or five years ago. It's, a, it's an awesome book, Richest Man in Babylon. Now we're going to come to the to the top, top of the show here. So I want to um, ask you a couple of last questions here, Kurek. Um, you're a mentor. You're a coach. Do you do you invest in mentors still? Absolutely. Well, it would be really incongruent, Davis, if I'm telling everybody else you need a coach and then I don't have them. Um, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, one of the things in order to be an authority is you need to be an ongoing student. And every day I read, every day I study, every day I watch a training video of something. Um, I also have coaches. Um, I've had a coach uh, in New York, by the way, teaching me about publicity. One, literally one sentence he gave me made me over a million dollars in my business that year. It was worth the investment, right? But I still have coaches, you know, and on all kinds of different levels. Now, personal development, I don't really have a coach because I teach personal development every day of the week. You know, I'm always coaching. I'm always speaking. I'm always reading. So I don't, I, that I don't really have coaches in. But, you know, Internet marketing now, business, uh, different things. Absolutely. And And I also study Aikido. I've been training in Aikido for the last nine years and I'm one rank away from my black belt and you know I have a sensei when I go there uh, I have nothing to teach I'm just there to be a pure student and you know Aikido the, the translation is AI means to be in harmony with key is energy Tao is the past so it's to be in har harmony with energy as a way of life so it's really not just about martial arts it's about how you conduct yourself in life so in its own weird way it coaches me every day on on how i operate and how do you handle challenges and how do you handle people that sometimes you know like in, if you're in business you're going to find people who are unscrupulous and some people who are rip-offs and whatever you know or that you don't like and how do you handle that 
in a way that's not confrontational and you can you know, the real mastery is turning your enemies into your allies. Absolutely. Love it. Now, you've talked about changing your day and how you how you handle different challenges in life. Um, just want a quick look into how a day in your life looked, just a 30-second quick look into how a day in your life looked when you started your business. Uh, I know that's going back many years ago. Maybe when you started here in Australia versus how it looks now. Is it very different or how does that look? Not very different besides that I'm married and have the most amazing human being that has ever walked the face of the earth. And I have three really beautiful kids that I'm so grateful to have. And, you know, um, but my wife and I, we work, we have a farm on the Sunshine Coast. We work basically from the farm. Um, but I get up early in the morning, uh, by most people's standards, you know, five, four or five o'clock in the morning. Um, I read my goals. I do affirmations. Then I read, do some stretching and some exercise, you know, because you got to fill your tank up right from the beginning of the day, drive the kids to school, but then throughout the day, work, coach, um, and always do something to move forward. So I'm not just doing things in the business that, you know, like coaching that's bringing money in now, because once that client finishes, you're, you know, not making money anymore. So you got to always do things to keep the business expanding. So it's kind of like being a farmer. We got three fields, you know, one of them is your, your, cleaning the field and tilling the soil the other one is you're nurturing the seeds that you planted last season or whatever and the last one is that you're harvesting and then you're constantly rotating those crops as you're planting new seeds nurturing the ones that are growing and harvesting the crop that are there and i guess that's what my day is like every day that's good thanks for sharing that um now Kirik, based on your experience tell us the best two books that are must reads for entrepreneurs or that are great reads for entrepreneurs uh well the science of getting rich which by the way you can get for free because it's out of copyright um but by wallace d waddles is a must and don't read it once. I think I've read it about 400 times, honestly. Um, I have more highlighting in it than there are actually words on a page um, because it's you got to read it. The other one for business people that I would say is also is uh, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. It's for everybody who's in business. And then, but don't read it. Do the exercises that he tells you to do in the book because otherwise you're just, you know, you're doing high school again. Read, remember, and repeat, and then forget it. Act. Knowledge is not power, action is. And so, you know, it's a game changer, but it's written so that anybody can understand it. And uh, it was a game changer for my business, and I still refer to it. Absolutely. I love it. Take action, take action. Don't just read it. <laughs> um, by the way, how many times do you speak on a, on a stage or in front of people in a year, do you reckon? Oh, I used to do about 250 events a year. But now that I have kids and, you know, time's so valuable with them, they grew up so fast um, that it's probably less than that. I mean, probably 100 now. Um, but I'm more selective about what I do and who I do it with. But still, it's it's my passion. I, I love getting on stage and doing it. And um, I'm honored that people still ask me because it's, you know, you get paid as much as I do to do what you love so much. Um, and I really relish those moments when I'm on stage getting to do what I do because one day it will be over. So it goes back to that play excellence. Like I, I treat every speaking engagement like this may be my last one. So have the best time possible. Enjoy it. Yeah. And give your best. I love it, which I know yeah. you do. 
I've had so much fun interviewing you. And uh, before I ask my last question, I really just do want to say thank you for coming on to this show because I know um, all the value that you've delivered here is going to inspire someone's life somewhere around the world. I was just checking, talking to somebody yesterday about you know how you know people in Croatia, people in Brazil are tuning in and downloading the episode. So you and I will never really know all the people that this conversation will change, but at least you know we've put it out there and somebody's life is going to get inspired and touched. So I appreciate you and I thank you. I thank you for your time for my last question Kirik I just wanted to know and I asked all my guests this as a last question is what legacy do you want to leave if you do think about legacy and what do you want to be remembered for and tell us why well I think more than anything else is that uh, I'm a person that really loves people I truly I always have and that um, the best thing that I could have ever done here is lead by example is that I'm a guy who started off with nothing came from a family and my you know my brothers and sisters didn't really like me that much I have five brothers and a sister because I was always the weird one but went and which is great because it forced me into finding myself and so I made something of myself um, not in comparison to anybody else is just that I, I've really had the most magical and blessed life even though I've had tragedy and I've had death and I've had all kinds of crazy things I was in a helicopter crash um, where five of my friends died but you know what? I kept, I kept standing up and brushing myself off. And as Rocky says, hey, you know, it doesn't matter how many times you get hit. It's about how many times you can get hit and keep moving forward. And that's what I feel like, you know, is um, is that I'm a guy who just kept moving forward and I inspired as many people as I can. And um, I'm here to serve. It's my mantra is I meditate every day is how may I serve. And I'm blessed. So, you know, thank you. And if Anybody who wants some help, I mean, look, you go to curicashley.com. We have a free 10-day program called Get Out of Your Bad Mood. It's a game changer. And you'll see that it's genuine. Um, the comments from people uh, of what they get out of it, you'll see that I'm, I really do care about people. It doesn't cost you anything. I'm sure you can put the link up for everybody, Davis. It's just um, that's what it's all about for me. And I'm, I've been blessed. Tell, tell us that you that website again. Uh, CurricAshley.com. K-U-R-E-K-A-S-H-L-E-Y.com. You'll notice that right on the front page, there's an opt-in form to put your details in. And you get this online 10-day course. Um, plus, you'll find out about you know upcoming speaking engagements that we have and other stuff. We don't really spam people or hit you with tons of marketing but we're always adding value um to people and but it's a real course but the course doesn't help anybody unless you actually do it so again it's back to action <laughs> yeah and Kirik, where can people find a copy of your bestseller book and your other books you know same thing you can get it off of curicashley.com you can send me an email at ask ask at curicashley.com. This way we'll get to the office and they'll make sure that we'll get you out a copy, things like that. You can get it on ebook, well, the Kindle version on Amazon. It's easy to find me. It's not in many bookstores, but it never was. And and that's okay because bookstores are kind of dinosauric anyways. There are not really many of them left. So, um, but yeah. Well, look, totally appreciate your time and uh, really glad that we could, um, you could make time to join us to, tonight. Um, so really, really thank you. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end of this show. Thank you for joining us here on the Business Generals podcast. I look forward to hearing your comments, your likes. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and, um, you know, join the conversation so you don't miss another episode of the Business Journals podcast. We've gonna, we're going to have show highlight reels of this conversation that you can download from businessgenerals.com. Kirik, thank you so much once again. You are a true business general. Thanks, sir. Thank I'm honored that you have me. Thanks again. Hey, what's up, Business Generals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Generals podcast. Connect with me 
at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.